0: We all have fears and they're different for all of us, but I can guarantee that when you pick a fear, you know, we all have many fears, pick a fear and decide to challenge it face on and you get to the other side, I, I guarantee you will have a transformative experience that will serve you for the rest of your life. Um, because again, life is not smooth sailing and I feel like through these experiences I've been able to equip myself with um, skills and lessons in how to deal with certain things. Fear is a motivator for me. If I am afraid of something I know I have to do it. It doesn't make it easy (laughs) and it's still scary but I know, as I said earlier, that I know from experience now that the treasure in life lies exactly right over the other side of where you are most fearful and where you are most uncomfortable. And that's magic. When you can experience it for yourself, it's magic. And so for me, fear is a motivating factor for me.
1: That's Kimberly Chambers and this... Is The Rich Roll Podcast. Yeah. The Rich Roll Podcast. You ever wonder what it feels like to swim through freezing cold, shark-infested waters in the pitch-black dark of night without even a wetsuit, mind you? Well, maybe you have, but uh, probably not. Either way, I think you're going to be amazed. I think you're going to be uplifted by the incredible story of this week's guest, Kim Chambers. Kim is one of the most, if not the most, accomplished and inspiring, record-setting marathon open water swimmers on the entire planet Earth. And we have a fantastic conversation. Uh, Before we get into it, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for subscribing to the show. Thank you for sharing it with your friends and on social media. Thank you for clicking through the Amazon banner ad at richroll.com for all your Amazon purchases. And thank you so much for supporting my work on Patreon. I love you guys. Uh, I got a bunch more cool stuff I wanna say about Kim before we get into it today. She's just super amazing. And this episode is fantastic. Again, a great conversation, but first. We all get it. Sometimes the news can really wear you down. That's why Wildcard, a new podcast from NPR, feels like a solution. It's an interview show that gives a special deck of cards to a whole bunch of fascinating guests, all in the hopes of sorting out what makes life meaningful. It's part game show, part existential, deep dive, all-party game. Wildcard comes out every Thursday from NPR, listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. We're brought to you today by Momentus. Over the last sixteen years, I can safely say that I have tried almost every single plant-based protein out there. And I can tell you that most of them are highly processed with tons of additives and or they taste terrible. They're not third-party tested or simply just don't hit the nutritional bullseye with a legit science-supported formula with the appropriate amino acid profile that promotes optimal nutrient absorption, which is all just a long way of saying how enthusiastic I was to... Be introduced to Momentus's 100% plant-based protein, which solves for all of the above and then some with a precise blend of pea and rice proteins, which yields a complete amino acid profile, tastes great, and has become my go-to to ensure my body is supplied with energy for a proper recovery and function. Momentus products are simply the best in the industry, which is why they're used by over 90% of NFL teams, by Olympians, Tour de France champs, and world-class athletes across every sport. With all the BS in the supplement world, I trust Momentus's industry-leading quality standards and quality. Try Momentus for yourself by going to livemomentus.com richroll for 20% off plant-based protein and all of their top-of-the-line products. That's dot scom slash richroll for 20% off. Okay, Kim Chambers. Who is Kim Chambers? Well, Kim Chambers is a New Zealand born and bred uh, former ballerina. She was a rower at UC Berkeley, and she's somebody who discovered swimming only six years ago while she was rehabilitating from this crazy, devastating, life-threatening leg injury. And I think it's fair to say that from the first moment she jumped into the frigid San Francisco Bay down at Aquatic Park, she knew that was it. She was home. She fell in love with the cold water. She fell in love with the community of like-minded souls and was just magnetized uh, by the pull of this uh, crazy subculture. And then she set about pushing the envelope of what is humanly possible when it comes to marathon open water swimming. Uh, Among some of her many accomplishments, some of her many Palmares, in 2014, Kimberly became only the sixth person and third woman in history to complete something called the Ocean's Seven, which is the marathon swimming equivalent of the Seven Summits Mountaineering Challenge. Uh, It's basically seven swims that are each chosen for their treacherous water conditions and potential wildlife risks. It's just an insane adventure that we get into in the podcast. And then in 2015, Kimberly set a new world record by becoming the first woman swim 30 miles from the farallon islands off the coast of san francisco this is an area of the pacific known as the red triangle because it is the largest concentration of great white sharks in the world so wrap your head around that and that's a swim that took her 17 hours and then in 2016 kim joined an international team of swimmers to complete this unprecedented historic swim across the dead sea all to raise global awareness around the environmental deterioration of that critical uh, body of water. So it was an absolute pleasure to sit down with Kim in her home in San Francisco. She's absolutely delightful. She is inspiring. She is humble. She is very human. She's essentially everything you want in a modern-day female superhero. Uh, So this is a conversation, of course, about her story. It's about the boundaries of human potential. It's about how to turn adversity into advantage, how to reframe uh, setbacks as opportunities. Uh, It's about personal growth, shedding old skin, stepping into your most authentic, fully actualized self. And I guess it's about how to not get eaten by a shark, right? So listen up and enjoy. Thank you so much for inviting me into your home. Yeah. Here in San Francisco, you have this insane view of the Golden Gate Bridge right out your window.
0: Yep, it's a pretty special view. Yeah.
1: And it's uh, just a hop, skip, and a jump up the hill from Aquatic Park, right? Your home training ground.
0: Yes, I live this close by design. <laughs> so you just do
1: you just walk down there in the mornings or in the evenings? On the
0: weekends, I do. It's just a lovely ten-minute walk. Um, but on on the weekdays, you know, I'm training in a pool and then I'm. Uh-huh. In the Bay. I'm all over the place. So. What pool? What's your home pool? You so, I, you know, we're in San Francisco right now, but I drive up um, to Marin most mornings and train with North Bay Aquatic Masters. Mm-hmm. It's at Redwood High School. I love the coaches and people are like, why do you drive all the way to Marin when there are pools here in San Francisco? And But for me, it's, uh, it's about the camaraderie.
1: Yeah. Do you know Chris Health? I don't. He coaches, he's my coach, but he okay. coaches masters up in Marin. I don't know what pool he okay
0: yeah this is at redwood high school Uh and it's just i mean the coaches make fun of our lane we're lane five and you know we talk a lot but we Uh swim a lot (laughs) the other day he like put his head over and he was like uh lane five um party of four your table's ready they were like we're just because we're just talking all the time
1: but well that's nice because what you do is such a lonely solo pursuit right to be able to have some community
0: yeah yeah yeah. i mean for me that's that's the key to all of this Uh is community
1: well, let's uh let's unpack it. I okay. want to get into it. Your story is fascinating. I've been following you for quite some time. Um and I think we made an effort to try to hook this up a while back like I, I took a shot over the bow a while ago and just said <laughs> I want to talk to you. I don't remember when that was and then uh I was yeah. I had lunch with Adam Skolnick, our mutual friend, the yes. other day, and he's like, "Oh, you're going to San Francisco. You got to you got to talk to Kim." And I was like, "That's right. I do. I need to yeah. follow up on that." So, yeah. I'm glad that we could make this happen yeah
0: no i'm just delighted to to have you here so thank you
1: well the things you've done are extraordinary you know world's greatest marathon open water swimmer you've done so many i and and I, the challenge for me interviewing you is to not make it like then you did this and then you did that and then, <laughs> then what happened here you know what i mean but i think in order to kind of create context around the magnitude of the things that that you've done it behooves us to kind of take a step back and and you know unpack the journey that got you to this place because you didn't yeah. grow up on swim teams swimming nope. wasn't your thing nope grew up in New Zealand I right I did I
0: grew up on a sheep and cattle farm wow <laughs> in the middle of nowhere uh huh yeah
1: and so you, you initially you were a ballerina that was your thing right yeah
0: yeah I danced for fifteen years actually under uh, what's called the Royal Academy of Dancing and I sat exams I traveled around the country performing on stage it was a huge part of my life mm-hmm. um, and you know I think that it's given me a lot of um, skills for marathon swimming uh, you know I, I there's definitely this discipline that mm-hmm. we all know about ballerinas so
1: And that was, um, I mean, that was the dream to be a professional, I mean, what do you call it, professional ballerina?
0: Yeah, yeah. And then I, you know, I had a growth spurt. Um, I got too tall and then it was sort of um, the time that it took for me to, you know, study ballet and school and have some sort of social life. There was a point where I had a sort of a a love-hate relationship with it because Uh you see all your friends out having fun and, you know, you're stuck in a studio. That's true
1: of any you know, elite athlete who's trying to master their craft, right, yeah. as a young person. Yeah. I and mean, I experienced that as a swimmer. I mean, of course, you hear the stories of gym- gymnasts and tennis players who are, you know, sort of locked up in these, you know, prisons of training
0: yeah. in their youth, yeah. right? I mean, is that, was it that intense for you? I mean, it, it, it sometimes it felt that intense. Um, but once I sort of, you know, when I was sort of, I 15 was when I really sort of sprouted in 5'10 um, now, um, then it was sort of clear that, um, you know, that wasn't going to be my path. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I completed um, all of my exams so that I became qualified to teach. So I danced until the age of 17. Um, yeah, and it's, uh, you know, it, it was quite a, a journey. You learn a lot about yourself um, in ballet, mm-hmm. especially. And, like what? Well, it just, it looks so effortless. But it is quite the opposite. Uh (laughs) And, but there's been, you know, what I learned as a ballerina um, has really helped me with my swimming, but there have been a lot of differences that I've had to adjust to. Um, You know, as a ballerina, there was, when I was dancing, there was no concept of really fueling your body Mm -hmm. or really treating your body as this um, machine. It was just you; just wore it down. That's interesting Mm -hmm.
1: because you obviously wanted to perform at its peak, and it's Mm -hmm. such a perfectionist pursuit, right? Oh, absolutely, minutia,
0: absolutely. And then, you know, I have an exceptionally high pain tolerance, and whether that's just something that I've always had, or whether that was through, you know, years of of ballet. I mean, there were times when I would take my feet out of my point shoes and not know how much pain I was in until I would see the, the blisters um, dripping blood through mm-hmm. my tights, mm-hmm. just to be graphic. <laughs> wow. And then that connection in my brain was like, oh, yeah, my feet are really sore now. <laughs> right. So uh, that served me very well in, in swimming, actually.
1: You hear these stories of, of like cutthroat competition in ballet, right? Yeah. A lot of eating disorders. Yes. And lot- <laughs> yeah, yes. that kind of thing, right? Did yes. you experience those kind of pressures?
0: You were definitely it, it. was definitely part of, of that community, um, and and maybe you know there w- were a lot of us that had sort of disorders with eating because you just, you know, it's when you're not seeing anyone else fuel their body, or it's, you, you know, you you're watching what your your peers are doing, mm-hmm. um, and you know that being able to have that discipline to just keep pushing through, even mm-hmm. if you are hungry, but. It's just very strange, very right. very strange. Now they look back on it.
1: But then you you have this growth spurt. I mean, if there's probably not too many five ten ballerinas, no. right? Like it doesn't work anymore.
0: No, no, <laughs> no.
1: Well, that had to be a bummer.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, but you know, I have really little feet, um, which is not good for swimming. And I think they've that was sort of stunted through years of being on point. Uh-huh. Um, so I joke that my feet have been bound right. at a very young age right. um but yeah i was too tall and you know and i was more interested in school as well and um i loved to study and you know that sort of perfectionism um definitely wove its way through all aspects of, of my life
1: mm-hmm. like so you start to teach when do you learned come? how to teach you learned how to teach yeah okay.
0: qualified to do that but i didn't actually teach. Oh, you didn't end up doing that and no. so what
1: brought you to the united states
0: Yeah, so I was a very young 17-year-old when I came here. I can't believe my parents let me go. Um, But my older brother had been recruited to UC Berkeley uh, to row. And I was fascinated by the fact that he was over here in America. And, you know, I traveled as a child with my family. But, you know, to go to college in America was just something so um, amazing to me at the time. Mm -hmm. And... Um, So I actually sat the SATs at my school and got into a few schools and chose Berkeley because my brother was there. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up going to Cal with my big brother and uh, they actually... Uh, recruited me onto the rowing team because they said basically, well, you're tall, uh-huh. you're very coordinated and you've got great genes because of your brother. And I mean, high I had pa- high pain threshold. <laughs> yeah. That's but I had no rowing. upper body strength. Like I was not meant to be a rower, <laughs> So I tried it for a few years, but, um, let's just say I wasn't that good. Uh-huh.
1: And your, what is your brother still live out here?
0: Yeah, he does. What he, does he, do? uh, he lives on the East coast. He's in property management mm-hmm. and, uh, he doesn't row anymore, but, you know, we still have these really close bonds with all of those teammates, and that was real team sport for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and all his, all the guys on his team were like my big brothers at Cal, so right. I felt pretty lucky.
1: Uh huh. Good. So you're already multidisciplinary in your in your athleticism. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so let's fast forward to the the kind of um, you know catalyst that spurned mm-hmm. you into what you do today. Right. You suffered yeah. this this terrible accident
0: yeah yeah i am um, a total freak accident on my way to work um and i look back and gosh i didn't even know who i was at that time i was um working in silicon valley um, working long hours m- making pretty good amounts of money and um i was on my way to work like any other day and i used to wear really high heels um you know it's all about the outfit right mm-hmm. um and I slipped down the staircase where I was living and uh, my um, I was wearing a pantsuit and I think that caught on my heel went flying down the staircase I hit my head and I r- hit my right leg on this big ceramic pot that I had at the bottom of the staircase and um, I actually didn't break Any bones. I mean, people break their necks Uh falling down staircases. I was just in a hurry, um, not thinking. And my first thought is like, I'm just going to have a really bad bruise on my leg. It's just going to be a really bad bruise. I've got to get to work. So I went to work. I drove to work. Meanwhile, my leg is swelling. Um, What I was diagnosed with is called acute compartment syndrome. And it actually. is often misdiagnosed if you're at the hospital in the initial phases of it because sometimes it takes a while for your leg to actually swell. What happened with me is I eventually passed out from the pain and um, I'm waking up after they've performed the first of many surgeries on my leg.
1: You pa- Did you pass out at work? Yeah. So what, did they get an ambulance and take yeah. you to the hospital? Yeah, so I ended oh, wow. up
0: in a hospital here in San Francisco and um, my leg... I mean, I'm trying to show you here. My leg was probably, I have, I'll have fo- i show you the photos later mm-hmm. today, but it was swollen right out to here. Um, so about four or five inches on each side wow. of my calf muscle. Wow. Um, and again, it's from blunt force trauma to a limb. And they performed a surgery called a fasciotomy where they cut through the fascia. Um, and I've learned so much through this, but the, the fascia protects your muscles and it, it doesn't give. And so the pressure was building up in my legs and the nerves were getting compressed and, mm. and dying. Um, so I, I still have significant nerve damage in my right leg. But when the doctors came into my room um, after they'd done the first surgery and I have, you know, they've just sliced me on each side of my calf muscle. I have two big gaping holes. Um, and they're telling me, you know, we saved your leg, but we we don't know if you'll ever be able to use it again. Wow. And you know they, you know, I, I, we all have def- it's so
1: weird. Like it, it, like it didn't break the bone. I didn't break so the any trauma bones. was so significant. The inflammation was so yeah. intense that it damaged all the surrounding areas. Like yeah, in,
0: uh- it just um, it it causes this the pressure to build up. So it ha- can happen in any of your limbs, um, but it's it's from blunt force trauma. So people mm-hmm. in car accidents get it. Um, and I mean you know I'm learning as I get older we have defining moments in our lives right and I I really have never forgotten those words and and, and at that moment when the surgeon said that to me I, I I knew for whatever reason that I there were two choices for me one was to like basically accept mm-hmm. that um that you know, all of my mobility, all of, all of that, which I took for granted was gone and be essentially disabled or I could, you know, prove them wrong. And, um, that was what I decided to do. I didn't know how I was going to do it. Um,
1: but how do you think that you were able to make that decision as opposed to sink into a depression or kind of create an identity around being a victim?
0: Yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, I have, I mean I think just growing up on a farm and and knowing that you just have to get stuck in and you just have to get things done and I was so like horrified that this had happened it wasn't like it wasn't like a a, a traumatic you know skiing accident or a car accident it was like I was on my way to work and it was just this disbelief that this was my reality and I. Right? You know,
1: like yesterday, everything was fine.
0: Right. And my friends call me the sort of the energizer bunny. I go and go and go and go and go. I don't sit still for very long. And I was completely incapacitated. Um, and that was the first of many surgeries that I had.
1: How long ago was this?
0: Um, coming up on 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, initially I was horrified with the scars. You know, I look back and I was like, gosh, I was so living such a superficial life then, and I really feel like, you know, now, I mean, at the time I thought it was the worst possible thing that could ever happen to me because it, it took two years out of my life because it took me that long to walk again
1: um wow so you were you were in a wheelchair and then crutches for no i was
0: on crutches um but they after i transitioned out of crutches and i had multiple surgeries uh later like i have a big skin graft taken from my thigh once the swelling went down it took nine months for the swelling of my Uh leg to go down Uh so then they're patching up those you know the big holes on the side of my leg with the skin from my thigh then um i had to do physical therapy i did that full time and you know the applying the discipline of having been a ballerina um i applied that to um getting better i mean they Mm -hmm. they said i was their perfect patient because i never missed a physical therapy appointment Uh, i think there was one because i was sick um but i just i gave it everything i didn't work it was that was my job and my job was to fix this Mm -hmm. to be healthy and to be the person i was before um
1: it's a beautiful thing when you can look back on something like that and recognize it as an opportunity for growth. Yes, I'm sure it wasn't fun in, in the midst of no, it, and, and, and perhaps you, didn't, you weren't able to sort of recognize that at the time, but right. it's always magical when you can kind of take a 10,000 foot view and look down and say, not that you brought that into your life or right. <clears throat> that you did anything wrong or anything like that, but right. that the universe kind of knocks on your door in a way and says, yes, hey, maybe you should look in a, you know, in a little bit of a different direction for your life.
0: Yes. And I really feel like, because I am such a focused person in some ways, I needed to have my life completely derailed, um, to go in a different direction and,
1: and sorry to interrupt, but yeah. at that time you were pursuing the Silicon Valley dream, right? Where you, is that, was that the idea or yeah. what was going
0: on? I mean, I, you know, I had my, I, I, I you know graduated I you know I did my undergrad at Berkeley but I went back and I got my master's of science at Berkeley and um you know I was working at at big tech companies and really having money for the first time um and just really a really superficial life now that I look back on it but though that those two years when I was rehabilitating my leg and, and and my sense of self really um because I don't like to ask for help Um, and I Uh had to get help for everything Um, but at the time I thought it was the worst possible thing that could ever happen to me and now I mean I tell anyone that will listen I'm like that was the best thing that ever happened to me the absolute best thing because it set me on a journey that I could never have dreamed of Mm -hmm. if you'd asked me 10 years ago if I'd be Sitting here talking about uh, my swimming journey, or having had the experiences I've had, I would think you were mad. That that wasn't wouldn't be possible. Um, but I learned what I was made of in those two years. Right,
1: and and the stripping down of your ego and, and, yes. and you being compelled to be so humbled to your core. Absolutely creates like a fertile ground for rebirth.
0: Absolutely, and it was it really was a rebirth, um, and it just. You know, I look back, like I look at my life now, and um, my 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 soul is so rich, um, and I have this community that is just an amazing group of adventurers that, you know, have these sort of double lives. They work in tech or they work in government, and then they swim in cold water for crazy distances right. uh-huh. <laughs> in their free time, and it's just the it's opened up my world of possibility of um, not only myself, but of like the human spirit.
1: Mm-hmm. I have my version of, of your story. That's mm-hmm. very different in, in certain ways, but I think the the, the arc is very similar, you know, mm-hmm. to cause I sit here and I'm like, what am I even doing here? Sitting with you having this conversation, you know, like I would have never <laughs> mapped that out for my life and the things that I've done and yeah. the, the stuff that I do. And I would imagine the idea that you would be like a marathon you know, open water swimmer, like what? Like right. you'd probably, I'm sure you had no, I didn't even know that that was something that existed. Absolutely. Right? Like so, <laughs> it's so beautiful that, you know, an experience like that could like just sort of reform every aspect of how you yeah. live your life and perceive the world.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it, it, even just talking to you now, it, it chokes me out because I, I don't, every day for me is a total gift and, You know, that's why I get up in the morning and I swim, even though, you know, we've had these crazy storms and it's freezing cold and your body and your mind saying, what are you doing? Every time it's doing Mm -hmm. that, but you just, we only have one life and you never know the direction it's going to take. And, um, and then when you find a community of people that nobody's saying, well, why would you do that? Or that's a silly idea. They say, that's a great idea. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Even if it is, you know, this crazy swim idea. That well, your used.
1: friends at the tech company might not have
0: said that. But. <laughs> no. <Yeah. laughs> no. They walk wide circles around me even uh-huh. today. <laughs> but it's just, um, yeah, it. like my life is so full and it's just through this sport, this crazy sport called marathon open water swimming.
1: But it's more than that. It's full because you opened your heart to a different possibility for yourself and you had the courage to pull on that thread and follow it, even though it might have sound insane. Yeah. And to continue to follow it. Yeah. You know, that's that's where the work part of it comes in and the courage and the faith.
0: Yeah. 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 And really, um, you know, I think we have it in all of us to pick ourselves up. Um, you know, and life is this journey where you you know, you don't know what's gonna happen next. Um, but it's having that ability somehow to really reach deep inside yourself and and, and pull yourself out of a situation. Um, mm-hmm. It's easier said than done. I know that. but um, And it's not to say that I didn't go down some deep, dark holes in those two years when, um, you know, I, I couldn't – I still walked with a limp and, you know, my scars were just so, you know, angry, red, so pronounced, and I was just – horrified um but you know when i first got in the pool i mean that was you know it had been two years of um being a patient really for two years um and definitely feeling other i didn't feel myself and and having been a ballerina you're you're acutely aware of when your body is misaligned and when it's not right and that's how i felt every day Mm -hmm. and i had to wear an ankle foot orthotic it's called Mm -hmm. an afo had to put that in sneakers so I couldn't wear, you know, nice fancy no more, heels. No, no, more no heels. And so it was just like my life is over. You know, it was uh-huh. just when I think back, it's just, oh my goodness. But I craved a sense of freedom uh, so much that I was willing to put myself in a swimsuit, in a pool, in front of people because I... You know, I'd learned water safety as a kid in New Zealand. That's how we sort of grew up, and I'd always played in the waves as a kid in the summer. I liked the water, but my swimming style was pretty terrible.
1: Well, what what got you to the pool in the first place? Like, did somebody say, hey, let's go swim? Or, like, what what was the initial trigger?
0: Well, it was just this frustration of feeling stuck. I couldn't... You know, San Francisco's a great walking city, and I couldn't even walk up hills. I, I just... I just felt trapped. I felt really, really trapped. And I was looking for freedom. And I just subconsciously was drawn to the water. Um,
1: So, wait. All right. So, that's interesting. So, in in kind of a mystical way, it was like pulling you or calling you. Yeah. So, it it wasn't like some friend dragged you to the pool or anything like that. Like, there was just some uh, unconscious tug
0: yes yes and i guess just to feel weightless um to feel yeah just to feel a sense of a uh, uh, of freedom um and so there's a great outdoor pool here in san francisco called golden gateway mm-hmm. it's right along the embarcadero used
1: nice to swim there
0: oh yeah it's a yeah. lovely pool <laughs> it's a great place to get a tan and swim and i just started i went there by myself and i got in and i I remember the first time I got to the pool and I was just like, oh my gosh, everyone's going to be staring at my scars. This is disgusting. This is gross. I just felt just not myself, but I realized that when I got in the pool, you know, you're standing there waist deep and nobody was looking at my scars. They were just looking at me and, um, you know, I'd swim some laps and then somebody said, if you swim... 80 laps that's a mile I think it was actually incorrect now yeah, someone's told me that
1: 66
0: okay maybe. well I was doing a bit more then. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: <laughs> depending upon how long the pool is I yeah guess, but.
0: yeah so and I decided that I wouldn't get out of the pool until I'd done 80 laps the
1: and it, first time
0: yes and that was what I would set my mind to and so every time I went down there that was what I did and I'd just been swimming there for a month and a couple of guys at the pool um first
1: of all before we even get to that like just the experience of being in the water i mean did you have that sensation of like i'm home or this is this is I, i am getting that sensation of freedom that i was looking for
0: yeah it was it wasn't it didn't feel like home yet um but it was a sense of freedom and then just it was so good for me mentally because i was just like everybody else i mean my stroke was pretty bad but I was moving across the water just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. Whereas when I was on land, everything was just clunky. And, and, you know, I had this AFO, which is a big plastic thing that goes at the back of your calf Mm -hmm. and slips into your shoe. And it has a little hinge so you can pick up your foot. But in the water, I was just like everybody else. I was just wearing a swimsuit. There was no other extra equipment. Um, So that was really the the real um
1: like freedom from from judgment of others and judgment of self
0: yes yes Mm -hmm. and i think there was more judgment of self to be honest i think we we always worry about what other people think and they're really not thinking what we're thinking you know but when you're feeling um vulnerable and you're feeling sensitive it, it can be really overwhelming
1: yeah i think you know i i have i had i had a similar thing in high school it was it was emotional it wasn't physical but like going to swim practice was safe yeah you know and it was free and yeah. underwater you could unshackle yourself from mm-hmm. those internal that internal dialogue yes and the external pressures of the world
0: Yes 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 it became a sanctuary mm-hmm. yeah yeah it be- so
1: then a couple guys come up to you
0: <laughs> yeah and they're now very good friends of mine and <clears throat> they said to me, have you ever... about swimming in the San Francisco Bay and I'd only been swimming at the pool for about a month and I was like but I'd been living in the Bay Area since 1995 and I was like that's ridiculous it's cold and aren't there sharks and all these things were going through my head but it was a bit of a dare and I'll do anything You're for trying a to dare. get
1: Recruited into some strange religion, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the foot soldiers are trying yeah. to pull you in yeah. to some bizarre cult.
0: Yeah, and I didn't know, and they, and they were kind of cute, and I was like, well, you know, and I'll, I'll I'll challenge guys on a dare, you know, like I don't know how I'm gonna do this, <laughs> but I'll do it. Uh-huh. And so I said, okay, what do I need? And they said, just a swimsuit, um, cap and goggles. And they gave me when I got there, they gave me one of these old school sort of thermal caps. And I I have that experience on video, and that was because they thought I was just going to have this like freak out and just be uh-huh. like a total girl. and down, like <laughs> down, that,
1: down at Aquatic
0: Park here? Yeah. Uh-huh. And it was in November of 2009. So <laughs> this is going into winter. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it was freezing cold, and the water temperature was 50, 54, 55. And at the time, you know, I'd lost so much conditioning, you know. After I'd finished college, I was pretty much a gym rat. I'd work out all the time. But because I'd been incapacitated, I'd lost all, mm-hmm. um, you know, definition. I was probably – I was really skinny. I was probably about 120 pounds mm-hmm. soaking wet. Um and I'll show you the video and I'm, right. and I'm on the beach.
1: And by comparison, now, you know, when you're, when you're ramping up for one of these challenges, yeah. you get up to like 180, right?
0: 195. One ni- oh, wow, yeah, 195. <laughs> yeah, okay. We'll get there, but keep going. My ballet mistress would be uh-huh. horrified. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I do remember her saying to us, a moment on the lips, a lifetime on the hips. Uh With the food, I just thought of that right now. Yeah, that's 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 healthy. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, But yeah, and I'm standing on the beach, and um, and I have it all. This it what I didn't know at the time was going to be another defining moment for my life. And they're sort of talking me through, um, you know. And I'm standing there, and I'm like, my legs are numb. And they're like, your whole body's going to be numb in about Uh three minutes. And then I was just like, okay, I'm just going to go for it. Then I dive in and my stroke, I mean, looking back, it's just my legs are flopping up and it's just, but I got out there in the middle of the cove. um, Aquatic Park is this wonderful sort of um, little enclosure. There's no uh, motorized boats are allowed there. There's like little sailboats are allowed there. People row there and it's a really safe place to to swim. But you're in the bay and there's seals out there and seabirds and...
1: Right. For people that are listening, it's right at the foot of Ghirardelli Square in San Francisco. And it's kind of, there's like piers that jut out or jetties that kind of protect this swimming area, right? And there's a little clubhouse, the Dolphin Club clubhouse. We're going to talk about the Dolphin Club. But yeah, and every time you go by there, you'll see some nutcases and (laughs) you're swimming and you're like, what are they doing? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I'm one of those now. Um, But I got out there and I just, I remember just stopping and... Jordan, who was swimming next to me, he's like, I've never seen anyone grin ear to ear. Like, I was just lit up because I looked out there and I was like, this is exactly what I've been looking for. This this is it. And that was a feeling of I'm home. Wow. It was like I – my whole body came alive. Um, I just – it was such an electrifying experience to just – i could see new possibilities for myself i of course i wouldn't imagine what i've done since then but i was it it was complete freedom for me and i could smell the ocean and it it was just this adventure um right here in the city Mm -hmm. i wasn't in for very long because it was very cold but uh I've I've basically been swimming in the bay every day since.
1: That's amazing.
0: Rain or shine.
1: I have gone and swum at Aquatic Park on maybe a handful of times. I did not have that experience. <laughs> I enjoyed it. It was cool, but it wasn't like a lights on moment for yeah. me. I was like, okay, I did it. You know, yeah.
0: For me, it was it was a reboot. Yeah,
1: that's re- that's It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I,
1: I wish you know, I wish that experience on everybody.
0: Mm, yeah. Know? I I try to recruit many people to the bay and it's sort of, I joke that it's sort of a baptism Mm -hmm. of the soul because it's just, um,
1: and what part of that is the cold versus just, you know, maybe other aspects of it. Like, is what, what is the fundamental component of the cold water? Like the impact of that on that experience?
0: Well, I think it's because, Every time you get in the water, it it, it really, like as I said, your mind and your body are saying, "This is ridiculous. This is not a good idea. This is, (laughs) you need to go get warm." Mm -hmm. But being able to push through that moment when you doubt yourself or you 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 think you're cold, you think you can't do it, to be able to just dive in and push through that, you literally come out on the other side, and you're like, "I did that." even though I was cold, even though I didn't get much sleep last night, I did it and I'm out here. And then it really sort of sets up your day because you, you've really conquered the hardest thing of your day mm-hmm. right at the beginning. But it is – the sensation of the cold water is um, – it's very strange. Um, you know, it affects people differently, but it is certainly refreshing. Um, I mean, you you're endorphins – are fired up um, you're clearly awake and there's sort of this giddiness um, with being in cold water and also out there it, it, it sort of connects with a playfulness that I think we forget about as adults mm. just to be able to frolic out there and I'll see seals and sea lions and I mean, people think I'm mad because I talk to them like they're dogs and they respond to me. They kind of are dogs. <laughs> they are, they're, they're dog very, mermaids. They're very dog-like, yeah. Yeah, and to, but to have an interaction where they're just as far away as you are, as close as you are right now to me across this table where they just look at you and you can see their eyelashes and you can talk to them and, and this connection and to, and to be, you know, and swims that I've done since, to, ha- to be fundamentally accepted in an environment for which really humans shouldn't be in. Mm. Um,
1: I think also in my limited experience in cold water, from a mindfulness perspective, it it shuts down that part of your brain that kind of runs on automatic in the background all the time. Like it forces you to be very present with yourself because you are in this heightened state. Yes, There's no room for, oh, I gotta call that guy or I didn't pay that bill or all that stuff gets crowded out. Yeah. And you're just you have this palpable sense of just being in the moment and being hyper alive.
0: That's uh, yeah, that's an excellent observation. That's exactly it. You you have to be in the moment and equally nothing else in the world matters, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I can guarantee whatever is on your mind, whatever is troubling you and you know we all have bad days or we're worried about current events or whatever for a brief moment however long you're in the water none of that matters. It's just you in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, for me here, it's right here in the city. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> right, so you can have your urban life and yeah. you can have this incredibly primal you know, life as well.
0: It is very, very primal. Um, you know, your, your, your body becomes very in tune with the surroundings. For us, that, For those of us that are in the water every day, we can pretty much guess the water temperature within half a degree. Mm. just because of how our body feels. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a sense of smell, and its it really is very, very primal.
1: We're brought to you today by Brain FM. You know that thing when you have a bunch of intense work that you just have to do, but the mind doesn't really want to do it? You're telling it, come on, focus, but it keeps getting distracted or agitated by nonsense. And you go through this painful sort of mini war to rein it in, to settle it down and just concentrate on the thing. Wouldn't it be great if there was something that would ease or eliminate this process? I don't know, like something you put in your brain through your ears, that would be great. And the good news is that it does exist. It's called brain.fm, which is this sonic platform that leverages science to create tunes specifically crafted to optimize brain performance for a specific task. Tunes that contain patterns that shift your brain state with something even more effective than binaural beats called neural entrainment, so that you can more easily focus on that thing or lure you into the sleep that persistently eludes you. Personally, I notice it the most when I sit down to write. Typically, this experience floods me with anxiety and a near lethal dose of the big R resistance that Stephen Pressfield talks about. But now I pop on the headphones, I dial up brain.fm, click the focus feature, and the process becomes, I mean, look, writing is still hard, but now it really is so much easier to get into that state of flow and stay there. So if you're ready to unlock your focus and productivity, I've got a special offer just for you. I asked them to give my listeners 30 days free and you can get it at brain.fm slash richroll. I bet you'll love it just as much as I do. We're brought to you today by a very exciting brand new sponsor, Go Brewing. I am sober. I don't drink That's gobrewing.com and use the code RICHROLL for 15% off your first purchase. We're brought to you today by recovery.com. I've been in recovery for a long time. It's not hyperbolic to say that I owe everything good in my life to sobriety. And it all began with treatment and experience that I had that quite literally saved my life. When you or a loved one need help, go to recovery.com and take the first step towards recovery. To find the best treatment option for you or a loved one, again, go to recovery.com. So you're all in from the first moment, right? All in. And then it's... And I'm
0: all or nothing kind of person anyways, <laughs> uh-huh. so. Yeah, I gather, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I get that. <laughs> Is it obvious? Right. Um... <clears throat> So then talk to me a little bit about uh, the culture of the Dolphin Club, which is the swim club that kind of looms over that aquatic park mm-hmm. and the history. Like it's this legendary club that dates yeah. back quite a long time, right?
0: Yeah, there's a, and there's actually two clubs there um, side by side.
1: Oh, I didn't know about that. Yeah,
0: so there's the Dolphin Club and the South End Rowing Club, they're rivals um but i'm a middle child and i belong to both <laughs> mm. and i'm all in too so like i want i want all of it and they're quite different clubs uh, everybody is um joined together with a love of either being in the water or on the water there's a, a rowing program for both clubs but they are it's really like a secret society of adventurers mm-hmm and we all have day jobs we're all um you know working in various aspects in the city and beyond but when you come there it's it doesn't matter it, it's a it's a complete cross-section of society unlike any other club i know of it doesn't matter how much money you have it doesn't matter what color you are it doesn't matter what you do for a living that doesn't even come up sounds like aa <laughs> oh really <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think we're all addicts down there. It's just a swim addiction. Uh-huh. <laughs> it is very much a swim addiction. Um, but it, you you come together and it, the, the bonds that you have with these people are so deep because it really is like this little secret society mm-hmm. and everyone watches out for each other. But it's like this – every day it's like a little sitcom that's played out and um, – You know all ages the the oldest woman at the dolphin club that's currently swimming is 80 years old Mm. her name's mimi and she gets in the water every day wearing just a regular swimsuit Mm -hmm. and i can tell you when you're on the beach a little cold wondering whether you can do it because every day that happens and you see mimi Mimi saunter on and it's just like oh okay right i can't not get in Uh you know not that i've ever not gotten in but you know, and and it's just it's really wonderful to have those connections with older folks as well. And uh, you know, we have a club swims. We have uh, swims against the other club, and the camaraderie there is just like it just fills the walls right. it's, it's amazing
1: and there's a there's this beautiful tradition as well right mm-hmm. like i said it dates it it's this is not a new organization no, right no. these people there's people that have been doing it for a very long time since
0: 1877 oh is it that old wow yeah yeah wow yeah yeah and you look at the pictures on the walls of the the swimsuits they used to wear back uh-huh. then and they only let women into the club in 1977
1: oh really yes Interesting.
0: yes yes so, um, that And what would a-
1: happen if somebody goes down there and has a wetsuit on?
0: Oh, no, it's totally fine. Oh, it is? It is. They it won't is. will boot you yeah, out of there? No, no, but you can't compete in the club swims wearing right. a wetsuit. Um, but yeah, no, you, you can wear a wetsuit. Um, but you know, people sort of have each other on and, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, you don't need that. And, but we all swim within our own limits. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everyone should try at least once getting in that order without a wetsuit because yeah. it's, it's very, an I amazing the, experience. Uh,
1: many years ago, I did the Alcatraz swim um, without a wetsuit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And all I remember, I remember a couple, it was, I can't remember, it must have been 94, 95, something like that. And it was not summer, you know, I don't know that it was, maybe it was October or March or something like that. Um, and uh, all I remember about that is when I got into, when I was way in the middle, like about the halfway point, cause it's not a long swim, it's only like a mile and a half, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep,
0: yep.
1: uh, like halfway in you realize like, oh, you're like in a shipping lane. Like you're <laughs> yeah. not, this is not like some pristine lake. Like it's no. it's gnarly, yeah. you know? yeah. And then my hands and my feet went completely numb. So I felt like I just was swimming with
0: fists. <gasps> You know,
1: it was exhilarating, but I also, you know, I was like, I I don't know if this is for me, you know, like I did it and I did fine. And it was fun. I did it with my friends. And the other thing I remember about that is I don't remember who the race organi- organizer was. There was a series of these races, but the guy who conducted the, who, who, who organized the race had a dog, like a, it was like a lab, I think. And this lab His favorite thing was to do the Alcatraz swim. Like he was so excited. Like his favorite, he was, you could tell he just couldn't wait to get in the water. And the dog dog paddles the whole thing and beats half the field.
0: (laughs) Well, they do have webbed feet. Uh Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And four legs.
1: So when does the, uh, when does the spark to try to tackle a challenge come in? Does that, is that a gradual progression of doing these sort of competitions between the swim clubs or? What happens
0: well, it was just i I was just without knowing I, I I'd sort of dropped into this community of amazing people um and on the wall is a, a is a a record of all the people who have soloed the English channel. You get your name there and your time that it took you to cross the channel and I remember I would just marvel at that wall because these were people that I was interacting with on a daily basis that had won the English channel. And mm-hmm. I just started to see possibilities and, you know, I had a lot of encouragement from people, um, who at the club who would just like, you know, say, well, I can help you train for that. Or I can, you know, I know somebody who's done that, but it really, it was my first in the year uh, 2010. Um, I did my first Alcatraz, that was six months after joining the club and I did it on my birthday mm-hmm. and I called it the first annual Kiwi Invitational Escape from Alcatraz. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I had my New Zealand flag and everything. So did, It wasn't like
1: a race; you just did it. It like, was an organized right, swim uh-huh. yeah
0: and I I can remember stopping mid-channel and looking at Alcatraz and then looking at San Francisco and I was like I'm doing this I'm really swimming from Alcatraz and What happened for me is I discovered that if I did one thing, well, maybe I can do this next thing. And then in in early 2011, I was introduced to a group of swimmers called the night train swimmers. Mm -hmm.
1: Vito.
0: Yes. Uh Vito Biala. (laughs) No, Vito. He's a very, very good friend and and a mentor for me. And he Mm. actually, he was the person who believed in me when nobody believed in Mm. me, um, He invited me to join the team, um, and he said that I couldn't swim my way out of a paper bag with flippers on. Uh (laughs) (laughs) And he was totally right. Uh (laughs) But he saw something in me, and he invited me. What did he see in you? He says that he saw tenacity and drive. um, And certainly not swimming. Uh, There there needed Mm -hmm. to be a lot of work on that. But at the time, they were – attempting to swim to the Farallon Islands. And now the Farallon Islands are 30 miles off the coast of California here. It's a marine sanctuary, but it's, you know, where great white sharks frequent and some of the largest are there and they yeah, like to breed let's, there. Let's just
1: paint the picture. You know, you're you're <laughs> making it sound a little bit more idyllic than, than I think it is. If anybody's <laughs> been to San Francisco or driven across the, the Golden Gate Bridge, as you look out, you know, to the ocean side as you're crossing that bridge, uh, if it 's a clear day, you mm-hmm. can just make them out, and they 're like these foreboding jutting rocks that stick up out of the ocean <laughs> that just are look about as treacherous as you can possibly imagine like it 's out of Lord of the Rings or something like yeah. that like yeah. it is it is frightening just to imagine taking a boat out there, let yeah. alone swimming, and then understand that it is this incredible uh nature preserve where yep. I mean you know thousands and thousands of sea lions and seals kind of breed there right Mm -hmm. and as a result of that it is like the red triangle of great white sharks
0: it is it is for me yeah i mean i it's a it's a fantasy world out there for me um and i can explain more but it was Vito and the night train swimmers that thought that that was a very good idea to swim to those islands (laughs) and they had been attempting to do a relay swim. So with a relay, you have six swimmers and you swim an hour long shifts until you get, you rotate through until you Mm -hmm. get to your destination.
1: And Vito's got his boat, right? So yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. 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 And he's an expert, um, you know, um, captain and he's also a swimmer and among many other things, but he, um, he he came up with this idea and there'd been many attempts because that's such a, it's a treacherous stretch of water and it's very, um, it's, it's just tricky with the currents, uh, with the winds. There's only a handful of days when it's actually the best time to swim there. So he asked me to accompany them on the boat as support crew. And it was just this wild, wild, wild west out there. Um, and I was just captivated by all of it. And then the the last relay, which was actually the, the successful one, I was invited to be on the team. Someone dropped out. And so I've
1: But that first time, they, didn't, they, they weren't successful. It took
0: four attempts, uh, and I was on the fourth one. I was the only woman on um, this co-ed team, uh-huh. and I remember when Vito left me the message to tell me um, that I was on the team, he's like, this is the message you've been waiting for. This is the phone call you've been waiting for. You're on the team. And I felt like my Christmas had just come early. I was <laughs> like, I can't believe I'm going to be part of this. Followed quickly
1: by sheer terror or yes. no, you
0: know? Well, also because I wasn't the best swimmer. And, you know, when you're a part of a team, you don't want to be that one that lets mm-hmm. everyone down. So he, I feel like he really took a gamble with me. But um, again, he believed in me and I'll never forget that. So we were out there and um, David Holscher on our team was the person who actually finished the swim. He had to slap a buoy because you can't touch the land there. Mm-hmm. And it was just before the sun was about to set. So and, you take the
1: boat out to the Farallons and you swim back?
0: No, we swam to the we Farallons. We swam to, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it had never been done before. And we, because it's a marine sanctuary, we had these permits to, to – another permit to do it again. And I said to Vito, I said, you know, it would be such a waste to give up that permit. Could I put together the first all-women's team to do that relay? And he's mm. like, sure you know, he's, he's always up for adventure. So within two weeks, I managed to recruit five other women. Um, I managed to convince them that it was a good idea to swim in shark infested water. Um, and they are five of the strongest woman, bravest woman I know. Um, and we completed the relay and I actually ended up being the last person to get in that water and it was dark and, You know, you don't want to be the one that lets down the team, but that was definitely a moment of truth where you Mm -hmm. are a mile out from the Farallones, you're about to set another record. You've got your team, they've done all their work and now it's just up to you to do the last leg.
1: But the last leg, of course, being (sighs) the hardest because not only is it you've been out there so long, but now you're entering the shark infested part.
0: Uh, And it's dark (laughs) and it's dark and we've got video and there's just this, you just see this little blue light on the back of my goggles. And you see the silhouette of the islands. And I, I, I watch it from time to time because, you know, you do these things, but it takes a long time to sink in. And, I mean, it was crazy. And, you know, I remember when David Holscher finished the swim and he slapped the buoy. And in this moment of just thinking I'm going to get eaten by a shark and the adrenaline is just surging through your body. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, it's an incredible feeling. Um, I decided to kiss the buoy. And then because the water was so treacherous, I'm expecting to just be hauled onto the boat. Mm-hmm. And then the boat moves away from me. I'm like, Vito, like I'm not a prima donna. I'm not high maintenance, right. but I just finished the swim and I need to get on the boat. I need to get out of this water because I'm on a ticking time bomb. Yeah, But it was too rough. And so I, had to, I actually had to swim to the boat. But What is the
1: perimeter around the Farallons that's sort of like how far away do you have to be before you're kind of a little bit free and clear of the shark infestation?
0: Five miles. Oh wow,
1: it's it's yeah. that's a lot broader than. Yeah, I would that's have what thought. they call
0: the 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 ecosystem. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh yeah, my yeah, and so it, you know, you I had these experiences. And I was like, well, I just want to do more. I just that feeling of being out there when you're in water that's six thousand, ten thousand feet deep, and you're just this little person on, on on the top of the of the surface of the water, and your mind just goes crazy thinking about what's swimming underneath you. And and for me, it's just this wonderland out there. You know, we've gone back there on the weekends just to frolic in the Mm. water there. and I'll come back to work and people are like, Oh, how was your weekend? I was like, well, you know, just did a little dip at the Farallon, (laughs) you know, and I do videos (laughs) and I put music (laughs) to it and it's just, but it, um, so I became, I I started to have a love affair with those islands. Mm -hmm. And, um, that sort of set um, a goal what, for me. What is it
1: about those islands that make it so special? Is it the treachery? Is it is it the 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 challenge of of meeting your fear on such a profound level?
0: Yes, yes, very much so. It it, it it's like being in heaven and talking to the devil at the same time. To quote Vito, mm. he summed it up pretty well. Like it it is. It is a wonderland out there. You know, when I've gone out there on the weekends and there's, the, the visibility is incredible, sort of 50 feet either direction. And you've got all these seals and sea lions and they'll come right up to you and they're, they're swimming underneath you and darting underneath you. and um, And you know that you're really not supposed to be there because a shark could come out of nowhere. And it's not like any of us are on sort of this, death wish but you you really are i think it is tantalizing to Mm. to 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 be at that at that right at that edge i mean that is
1: and super connected
0: yes yes um it's like i i if i could go to the farallones every day i would (laughs) it's it, it is um it really is just this like i said it's a wonderland and 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 again, to be accepted by the, the, the creatures that frequent that water. And I, have, I, I haven't had a shark encounter out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they're there. Right. You can feel them.
1: I know like when you did your solo swim, you had like a, uh, like a sonic thing on your ankle, right? Like mm-hmm. it's some kind of sonar thing that's supposed to repel the sharks yeah
0: that- it, it lets off a magnetic wave um sort of creates a magnetic field around you whether it works or not i don't know but um most importantly though it doesn't harm the sharks
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, i feel you know some people have said to me like is your boat gonna have a shotgun on it and it's like no you know that is that's their living room
1: antithetical to the whole idea
0: absolutely i and, and you know and i i i do these sort of um, I'm more of a spiritual person, but the times that I've gone out there, I just sort of say, you know, like I, I I pray for a safe passage and I'm just passing through. Like that is that is their living room and it has to be treated with the utmost respect.
1: Right. If you came in from an aggressive, uh, an aggressive point of view and you did have a gun and you did, you know, all these yeah. things, it's almost like the energy that you be, would be bringing to that area would be very different. It's yeah. almost like you would be inviting a problem as opposed to I mean what it is really is total surrender you're like I'm here this is what's what's going to happen is going to happen and a a complete letting go which is terrifying but also plays into what you were saying about freedom
0: it is it it really is I mean I you know I, I control what I can control leading up to the swim but there is nothing more exhilarating than jumping off that boat into that water for any of these swims and it is not, a compl- knowing. not knowing and that for me is captivating it, it, it because we live a life on land where we think we know what's going to happen and you walk out the door and you're going to walk down the street and you're going to get in your car and you're going to drive a certain it, it, everything seems so prescribed you know even looking at road signs where it's like oh caution there's a curve ahead when you're out there it, it again it's it's so primal, mm-hmm. and you are at the mercy of Mother Nature. You are at the mercy of whatever could happen there, and it is every time I'm out there, I I, I, I surrender, and it is so freeing. Um, it's so scary, mm-hmm. but it's, I mean, it's everything. It's just, and you feel like this modern-day explorer. Like, I feel like an astronaut out there that I, I'm in an area where humans- Well, in the history
1: of humankind, how many people have actually gotten into the water around the Farallons?
0: Not many people. If you take the
1: night train swimmers yeah. out of that equation, yeah. maybe a couple.
0: Yeah, I think there's four, four um, mm. three men and um, myself. Wow. And yeah, and I would, I would do it again in a heartbeat.
1: <laughs> so you did the relay. Yeah. And- then what comes next? Is it the idea of doing the, the what is it called? The seven? Uh,
0: the ocean seven. The ocean seven. So what happened after that was I was like, wow, I can't believe I've done that. What's the next thing? I need to do the next adventure. And I'd signed up to swim around the island of Manhattan in New York uh-huh. in, a, in a relay. Uh-huh. And did that with a team of guys. And I'd signed up to swim across the English Channel in a relay that all that same year. And I was living... Um, with a bunch of guys. Um, it was basically a frat house, but they were all they're all like my buddies and they're adventurers. And one of my roommates had climbed Mount Everest and he'd swum the English Channel. And he's sitting on my rug with his dog and we're talking about my getting ready to go to England. And he's like, you know, you're going to England in a couple of weeks to do your relay. Like you're spending all this money. Why don't you just do a solo while you're there? Uh-huh. And I was like, enough with this
1: relay nonsense i was like
0: that's a great idea i had no business doing that absolutely no business when i started to tell people because i was so excited they were just like you are absolutely insane um and you know there's so much work that goes into a solo and um a part of me still wanted to pull a rabbit out of a hat and Mm
1: -hmm. Well, the logistics also, all the permitting and all of that is a, a, a yeah. major ordeal. Right? Yeah. So it
0: all came together, but um, I was not prepared. And I, I think I wasn't even halfway across and they pulled me. And mm-hmm. I definitely came back with my tail between my legs. I was, very, I was very disappointed in myself, but I decided that I would come back there and I would complete that swim and I would be as qualified as possible. So then I started to think about okay, what could be my first real solo? And at the time, my um, my grandfather, my maternal grandfather, was in ill health, and you know he really was the, the the proudest Kiwi I've ever known. And I was like, I'm gonna swim from the South Island to the North Island in mm-hmm. New Zealand across the Cook Strait.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And how I, many miles is that? About 17 miles. <clears throat> There's also sharks that frequent there. Uh-huh. Um, of course, yeah, one in six apparently <laughs> um, encounter. They use that word a bit loosely, but uh, I made it across. Wait,
1: one in six. Wait, one in six people that get in the water there encounter a shark. Yes. Okay. Yes.
0: Yes. And it's one of the few swims. A great white. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, and it's one of the few swims where you are allowed. So for all of these solo swims, you cannot touch your boat, mm-hmm. get on the boat at any time. But. Um with the Farallons and with the Cook Strait, you can get on the boat for 10 minutes. I don't know who can get in the water after 10 minutes after seeing a shark, but the option is there for you if you Because
1: they make that exception because of the sharks? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah.
0: So... um, yeah, and that swim uh, was an incredible swim for me. I mean, I was on home turf, and
1: this was what, like 2010, or
0: this was March of 2012. Okay. Yeah, so it's 2011 was my okay. relay year. Got it. And then 2012 it was March of 2012. I had dolphins escort me. I didn't, that was my first experience of that and they were swimming underneath me beside me i was so close i could almost reach their dorsal fins uh-huh. but i heard them squeak in the water first and it was just like oh my gosh the cavalry is here you
1: know right. they're going to carry they- these angels are going to yeah. escort you to
0: yeah side. and the fact that they knew that i was a friend and not a foe and I joke now I'm like you know I'm sure they were talking amongst themselves and being like George like what is this thing in the water like Uh, what she can't even swim like should we be worried about her like what's she doing (laughs) you know I'm sure they were like talking but they would squeak and I would squeak back and so I mean really like I'm like a 12 year old girl out there because it's just I mean it it, it's so special every time but Uh to have these dolphins escort me for about 40 45 minutes they were so close to me and I, I think they were protecting me. Um, but I, I didn't see any sharks on my swim and, and I finished the swim. Um, I, I, I had to go to hospital afterwards. I was a little hypothermic. Uh-huh.
1: How cold is that water?
0: <laughs> uh, it's about, it was about 57, 57 mm. degrees. That's not too bad. Yeah. Yeah. But I was also, you know, I've sort of, you l- I've learned how to, put weight on and you know you with Mm -hmm. each swim you learn more about how to train and uh, you know and i got to show my grandfather the video of me swimming with the dolphins Mm -hmm. and before he passed away but so i'd I'd done that and then um i swam the length of lake tahoe Mm -hmm. um and that was an interesting swim because there's nothing quite like training at sea level for an altitude swim. Mm-hmm. I was violently ill for most of it. Yeah.
1: Um, it's no joke at Tahoe. I've done the no. trans Tahoe <clears throat> relay and, you know, just without doing any preparation at altitude to go yeah. up there, you're like, yeah.
0: whoa. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. It. But it was a, ch- a challenge and you know, and, and this video of me getting out of the water and I'm just in tears because it's just, um, Every time for me, it, there it, there's this disbelief that really when you put your mind and your body to a goal and then you achieve it, it's just you can't even quite comprehend it. Um, and I must say that for each of these swims, I've had a team of people escorting me. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing solo about any of these swims,
1: right? You don't just show up and jump in. There's a whole, yeah. you know, yeah. ramp up, and it's very, yeah. you know, organized.
0: From the person driving the boat to the person, you know, keeping an eye on you, cheering you on. Like, you can't do this alone. And that has also been a wonderful um, learning for me to be able to ask for help and receive it. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, I wasn't like that before. So I did Lake Tahoe. And we'd done, an, we'd attempted another night train relay down the coast. We were attempting to swim from San Francisco to Santa Barbara. Oh, I remember
1: that. Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh.
0: And I got stung by jellyfish. So each evening shift of mine, the sun was setting and the moon was rising, and you could just see the jellyfish rise to the surface. And they're called siphonophores. They're actually not the gelatinous ones that we think of with jellyfish. They're actually like looked like little snakes. Mm-hmm. It was like being tasered for your whole hour. And I have a high pain tolerance, but um, it got to the point where I had difficulty breathing, and mm-hmm. we got to Morrow Bay, and we had to call a swim. Right. And I mean, you can go into anaphylactic shock, right? Yeah. yeah, it was the right call, but I, I was, I was really devastated because I was the one that you were the one, right? Yeah. Right, and nobody blamed me, but I blame myself. And yeah, and how then could <laughs> you get stung right, by jellyfish?
1: How dare you? Right,
0: and so then people were saying, well, Kim, you know, you, we know you love your swimming, but. I don't think you can swim in water with jellyfish anymore. And I was like, I think I'm going to try and prove you wrong. So I because
1: once that happens, you become more susceptible the next time you're attacked, right? Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, well, I'd like to test that theory (laughs) and I don't like being told I can't do something. So clearly, (laughs) so there's this stretch of water in Hawaii called the Molokai channel Mm -hmm. from Molokai to Oahu. Um, Tiger sharks, Portuguese man o' war. So you've got a whole menu of right. At of, least it's warm though. Yes. That one's longer though, right? Yes. How, how far is that? Uh, about thirty-five miles, mm-hmm. and um, so the water temperature was just amazing. And I got in at eight thirty at night and finished almost twenty hours later. Um, I got stung a few times by Portuguese man o' war, um, and I can remember just trying to scrape off the tentacles off my with my swimsuit. Um, I had dolphins escort me in the middle of the night and lit up with a bioluminescent glow. And and then towards the end, I had humpback whales singing. And in Hawaii, they call it amakula, that that's your ancestors speaking to you. And I felt that that was my grandfather. So, But then I, because the conditions deteriorated, I was supposed to exit at Sandy's Beach on Oahu, which freaked me out anyways, because I'm afraid of big waves. I don't mind them in the ocean, but I'm mm-hmm. not a surfer. But I got pushed along and I actually had to climb up a vertical wall uh, called China Walls. And with Marathon Open Water Swimming, you have to exit the water Mm -hmm. unassisted. So if somebody took pity on you and wrapped their arms around you to just not knowing, just trying to be helpful, you'd be disqualified.
1: Right. There's all these, there's all this, it goes beyond etiquette. These are actual rules and regulations that will certify the accomplishment. And that was something that <clears throat> you know the controversy that crept up around Diana Nyad's yes. swim from Cuba, right? Yes. Because she would occasionally hang onto the boat.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so for I follow what I what we call traditional English Channel marathon swimming rules. So no physical contact with your boat or your crew. Um, no resting on the boat. Um, people say because you swim through the night, they're like, "Oh, so did you get on the boat for a nap?" No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no wetsuits. No. No shark wetsuit. cage. No shark cage, uh, no thermal cap, has to be a regular latex or silicone cap. You're allowed earplugs. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like water in my ears. I'm like, I don't know if you've seen those videos online where a cat like accidentally falls into a bathtub and like scrambles to get out. Like mm-hmm. that's me if I get water in yeah. my ears. <laughs> it's awful.
1: Well, when the water's really cold, it's painful.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, with th- with that swim with Molokai, um, I was like, Wow i've actually done two of the ocean of the seven. seven and i was like i just got five more to go mm-hmm. how hard can it be <laughs> and that is was there
1: a uh, there's no time limit like you in how like how long it takes you to do all seven to be
0: no okay no. and what and what i love also about it is that you know you're not competing with anybody else like sure you you become interested in what Other swimmers, how long it took them to cross that stretch of water, just because it gives you an idea of how long it might take you. Mm -hmm. But there's no, uh, it's just, that's what I love. It's just you're testing yourself. Um, And that swim was almost 20 hours of nonstop swimming.
1: What is the meaning of life? What happens when we die? What is our purpose here? Subscribe to Soul Boom on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. I'm super proud to announce Each week, Simon matches wits with brilliant scientists, translating their evidence-based insights into actionable tools for better well-being. Subscribe to The Proof, available wherever you get your podcasts, and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. So when you're swimming for 20 hours, what are the sort of mental... Tricks that you employ to, you know, remain focused when you start to get tired or you feel like you want to
0: quit. Yeah, yeah. Or I mean, lose your mind. Yeah, uh, I think all of those things have occurred. Yeah. <laughs> but you rely on a crew, and um, you know, they. I pick my crew very, very carefully. They're people that know me really, really well, and they're also. Um, I've learned a lot through being on Night Train Swimmers with the way Vito puts the teams together because team is everything. And it's not just their connection with you as a swimmer, but it's their connection with each other because it is a journey. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really this odyssey. Um, And so they become very in tune with, you know, if you're struggling. And so they might offer me, we call it a feeding. So every 30 minutes I have a carbohydrate protein drink or some snacks I, I experiment with. You know, um, whole food as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Yes,
0: yes. Yeah. <laughs> and peaches, like canned really? peaches. Oh, oh my gosh. When you're out there, that is just, I mean, it's like dining at a five-star restaurant <laughs> when you have something like that. Or um,
1: Really easy to digest.
0: Yeah, but it's just – it becomes a sensory delight because you're so focused and then you have this thing that just makes – everything in your mouth come alive and mentally too it lifts you up Uh but
1: and what is the carbohydrate protein drink so
0: yeah so i've experimented with a bunch of different ones um i use all goo products now um like the goo little gel packs um and their energy drink and then i take a lot of amino acids Mm -hmm. um, throughout my swim so i'm becoming more scientific in the past it's been really hit and miss Mm -hmm. (laughs) but um uh, at the, I always have what I call my bag of tricks, and I don't eat junk food. But you know, I grew up with like candy and that from New Zealand, and so it's this it's this bag of tricks. Which, if they know that I'm close to finishing, they can. It's just pump me up with sugar, mm-hmm. give me a Mountain Dew.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, for that last leg, you yeah. can't do that. You know, if you're taking gels early on, yeah, you're you gonna can't be in big trouble. Yeah. yeah, but those things work. You know. Yeah. I mean, sugar works.
0: You yeah. Know? yeah. 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 So, um. Yeah, so I have all those sort of feedings. And then just passing the time when I'm <coughs> when I'm really in my groove. Um, I love, you know, I see the boat. I usually swim on the starboard side and I breathe to my left. And I love to make eye contact with the captain. And then I just watch the crew. Um, the worst thing that can happen is your crew form a huddle <laughs> because you know they're thinking about uh-huh. what they're going to do with you. Uh, so you also become very devious. Well, me at least, um... When I swam across um, from Northern Ireland to Scotland.
1: That was the hardest one, right? Yeah.
0: That one I almost died. Um, But I knew I was having trouble breathing. But I knew that if I told my crew I was having trouble breathing, they'd pull me. So I just adjusted my stroke and just took a breath every stroke. (laughs)
1: Trying to pull one over on the crew. I know, right? I would not advise that. I
0: know. But, you know, when you can smell Scotland, when you can smell the grass of Scotland... And it's a goal, and that was my final
1: oh, Was that the last one? Yeah, uh-huh. and,
0: I mean, all of us in the sport are a little stubborn, um, maybe more so than others. But when you – you, it's a goal that you've trained for. It's like you – I mean, I end up in hospital after most of my swims. Um, in America here, I have great health insurance, and they know me on a first-name basis up huh. at CPMC. <laughs> 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 um, but, Don't do
1: this at home, people. Yeah.
0: And people are just like, why would you do that? But it's just, I just want to see what I'm capable of. I, w- I want to see how far I can go, and and I've I've had the opportunity to do a lot of that, and really like my soul has a lot more wrinkles, mm-hmm. you know, through these experiences.
1: So let's go through the seven. You ha- yep. you did the uh, the New Zealand one. Yeah, cook, cook straight. Cook straight. What are the other ones? I did the
0: Molokai channel. Right. Um, then I swam across the Strait of Gibraltar from Spain to Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, that was an amazing experience to see a fisherman on the Morocco side. And um, I just said hello to him. And he was just like. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, That's and, pretty rough, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a big shipping yep. uh, shipping channel. And then I swam across um the Catalina channel so uh-huh. Catalina to the mainland had dolphins escort me and towards the end it was like the floodgates just opened it was just there were thousands of them mm-hmm. accompanying me to shore and then I was like okay I'm ready to do the English Channel because I, I told myself I was gonna go back there as prepared as possible and that swim was a really fabulous swim for me I, I wasn't sick I felt happy the whole time and, and people make fun of me because I mean I'm always so happy out there in the water but I again I'm like a 12 year old girl and I'll I'll be swimming along and I'll go woo you know it's just this expression of just joy and I was swimming across the English Channel and it was as flat as a lake it was a gorgeous day and um, my boat captain um, he just would stick his head out the window and he'd go woo. And he's just like this, you know. He's just like a real burly English guy, and uh, and then with that swim, uh, he was actually just visiting here in San Francisco. I've become very good friends with him because you know he, he your, your your boat captains are responsible for you, mm-hmm. and they shepherd you across the sea. And after I'd done the English Channel, we next day I invited him and my crew to go take the ferry across to France and find the spot where I made land, and he said he'd, in all his years he had never had a swimmer invite him to do mm. that, and oh. so we just have this instant bond. And um, But it's just, for me, it, it, these are not swims at all. I mean, this a swimming part of it, but they are, each of them are journeys of the self, and the people that are with you during these journeys are forever... You know, they forever have a place in your heart, mm-hmm. and and you learn gratitude, um, and you learn appreciation.
1: But underneath all of this, for you, is the the current of joy. Like joy yeah. is fueling this for you. It's yes. not like you're not coming into this with this hardened, like I'm going to prove that I can do this, coming from some kind of unhealthy place. Like right. you're just you just love it, right? Like you're yeah. this is what you're supposed to be doing, yeah. Right, this and when is- you're doing it. Not only do you feel alive, you're completely in your, in your bliss.
0: Yes. And I feel filled with purpose because all of these swims I do for charity. Um, and another great learning that I, I got from Vito and Night Train Swimmers because we do swims around the world all for charity. And, and that's what I've incorporated into my solo swims. And so it's, it's really making these swims bigger than about yourself. Um, Sure, you're you the one that gets the accolades, and um, but I'm the first to say that, you know, I didn't do it alone and I share mm-hmm. all of these achievements with my crew. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the people that, you know, someone at the club or someone here in the city would just say, like, I read that you're going to go do the swim. Like, good luck. Like, just the fact that people are thinking about it. And then, I, you know, I have a GPS tracker on the boat and people can track me real time on a Google map. mm mm-hmm. And I've had my colleagues at work on their big monitors like track me, and and that helps.
1: Can you put too. them up on Strava.
0: No, you I done it. <laughs> You're Like
1: I think you have the KOM for the Farallon swim. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nobody's going to challenge that anytime soon.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's just the fact that people are interested as well in a sport that they might not understand, that they, they might not connect with, like. I never used to understand why people climb mountains. But now I understand why people climb mountains. And um,
1: and that's because?
0: They're journeys. They, you are pushing the limits of your physical and mental self. And I think also many of us are afraid to do that because a lot of times it's scary and a lot of times it's uncomfortable. It's going to hurt. And human nature is to... Avoid things that could potentially hurt us, that could make us cold, could make, you know, make us uncomfortable. But when you, when you, and we all have fears, but when you really push through those fears, um, and again, human nature is to, Mm -hmm. is to retreat from fear. When you push through, there is the sense of self, there is a real, In my case, at least, that's where the treasure lies. The treasure in life lies right on the other side of where you're most fearful.
1: Super powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not only do we sort of recoil from the uncomfortable, we're sort of haplessly chasing these emotions that you're experiencing, joy, Mm -hmm. gratitude, giving back through the charity, Mm -hmm. that sense of feeling alive. We're sort of encouraged to seek those out through material possessions or social status and that's what is encouraged in our culture and the messages that were sort of you know met with on every billboard and every television commercial and every magazine right right and the truth lies in shucking that aside yes and doing something that scares you yeah, whatever absolutely. that is, and it doesn't have to be, you know, <laughs> swimming the English Channel. No, you know, no. and it didn't start that way for you either. It started yeah. with you dipping your toe into aquatic park that first time.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, and even getting in that pool, I was most afraid of people looking at my scars. I mean, so silly, but but we all have fears, and they're different for all of us. But I can guarantee that when you pick a fear you know we all have many fears pick a fear and decide to challenge it face on and you get to the other side i i guarantee you will have a transformative experience that will serve you for the rest of your life um because again life is not smooth sailing and i feel like through these experiences i've been able to equip myself with um skills and lessons in how to deal with certain things mm-hmm. um and then also just dealing with people, and 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 yeah, I mean, I I, I I walk around every day with a heart that's full, and I just want to give back, and I I want everybody to feel just a little bit of what I get to feel in ordinary Day. I mean, I feel spoiled, spoiled mm-hmm. rotten because I am am in this world that is right where I am supposed to be. Mm-hmm and um and then to be able to share it with people and i love you know i love talking to little girls and you know you just see these sparks of possibility light up in their head and you know just knowing that we're capable of doing far more than we think we can
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it's just about deciding that you're going to tackle something that might be uncomfortable that might be a bit scary
1: how do you wear that mantle as an inspirational woman in a culture in which you know, in this sort of Kardashian-infused culture, where the the you know the influences on young women and on girls is coming from that direction, right? Yeah. Like, you know, I've said this before on the podcast, but this idea that that uh, well, there's no you know, where are all the inspirational women? Well, there's plenty. You know, there's people like you. There's lots of other people. You. you know, yeah. anonymously doing amazing things we just don't do a very good job of shining a spotlight on these people and and sort of elevating them into mainstream consciousness so that their influence can spill down to the younger generation right so how do you sort of you know think about that and and carry your advocacy to you know the young the young women that you do encounter
0: yeah and i I think the difference for women like myself who are trying to show lead by example is that you know we're 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 doing this for very um, different reasons. We're not doing, you know, we're not doing it for fame and fortune. Um, there's certainly no fortune um, involved in marathon open water swimming. <laughs> but that you don't have
1: Nike calling no, you, offering you the, the multi million dollar endorsement no, contract.
0: But that's the they beauty. should yeah. But that's the beauty is that you're driven by it's pure. It's pure. You're in it for reasons that are meaningful and you know I, I, it does upset me to no end um, the Kardashian culture and idolization of that um, that sort of life um, it's very very sad and I'm sure you know being a young girl is even more difficult than it was when I was growing up um, but I just hope that by continuing to do what I do that One girl at least sees it and decides that she's going to take a path and push herself in a realm she didn't know she could do. Mm -hmm. That it's not about fillers in your lips and, (laughs) you know, plastic suits. Yeah, it's not about that, you know. Um, And and I know from my past experience before all of this happened to me that I, I was very superficial and it was about things like that looking back I was so hollow inside like I had no sense of um, philanthropy or helping others and now because I, 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 I do that and I feel drawn to doing that I am like I said my heart is so full every day that's not to say that I don't have bad days stressful days you know we all do but for the most part I just feel that I know where my life is going. I know why I am here. And if I can just keep doing what I'm doing, um, and that it inspires, you know, one girl, two girls, 10 girls, mm-hmm. um, then that's pretty special.
1: That is. Yeah. So did we go through all the seven?
0: No, we didn't. We didn't. We, we didn't. We're still, yeah, let's pick <laughs> yeah. that up again. So yeah, so there were-
1: After the English Channel, then what then what? I happened? had
0: two left. So I like to say that I left the best two for last. Sugaru Strait, which is between the northernmost islands of Japan from Honshu to Hokkaido.
1: That's exotic.
0: Yes. And they call that stretch of water the flying dragon. That's what the locals call it because the wind whips up there. It's a treacherous stretch of water. There's sharks there. Um, but I, you know, I left it. I wanted to be as prepared as possible for that swim. And I'd, I'd learned Japanese in high school and – I love the culture. I just love the etiquette and the people and everything. And so I was um, very quickly connected with a number of people there, including some colleagues from Adobe. I work at Adobe mm-hmm. um, from their Japan office. And I'd written a little blog post on our um, internal newsletter. And I said that this is what I was planning to do. And I put a little, I spoke in Japanese. And I said, you know, at the end, sort of ingest anyone interested in a little boat ride. I ended up with three colleagues from my Adobe office uh-huh. on my crew with my mum. So my mum from New Zealand, she uh-huh. is like my chief crew um, member. And people often ask her, like, how can you watch your daughter go through so much pain and suffering and maybe get eaten by a shark? But she knows that A, I would do it anyways if she wasn't there, mm-hmm. <laughs> but she understands that if something happened to me, that that's, that would be the way I want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had this crew from the Adobe office and we met uh, the boat captain the night before and the wind was sort of howling as it is today, actually in San Francisco. And yeah, for
1: listeners, you could probably hear the wind <laughs> <Yeah>. in the <laughs> yeah. backyard. It's yeah. classic San Francisco. Yeah. 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 You just need uh, the fog horn. Yeah, exactly.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And so, yeah, very similar to this. The wind was still sort of howling and, uh, the boat captain who I'm meeting for the first time the night before my swim. There's nothing like putting your life in the hands of somebody you've just met. But uh, um, that, So Vito didn't come to this one? No, no, yeah. no. And uh, this was a local fisherman, and he barely spoke uh, any English, but he was just the sweetest man. And I bought him a bottle of whiskey <laughs> as a sort of a, a, a gift, and I said to him, you know, you can't drink this don't until drink the swim's over. Totally. Don't drink <laughs> this tonight.
1: But, yeah, 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 don't worry. Yeah.
0: But, um, and I uh, you know we we started to talk about logistics, and then he said, "Um, he sort of pulled me aside, and he had this sort of twinkle in his eye, and he said, "I think the dragon's gonna be sleeping tomorrow." Well, I went back to the hotel with my mum, and the wind just started to die, and when it was time to meet the boat very early that next morning, there wasn't a breath of wind, mm. the dragon was sleeping. And my swim, um, some the handful of people that have completed the swim, it's taken them people that are faster than me, seventeen hours. That swim took me just over nine hours. Mm. The conditions were unbelievable, um, and I got very very lucky because my crew wa- weren't experienced. I mean, they were great the great camaraderie and yeah
1: well your colleagues at adobe i don't know what they're going to be able to do if you (laughs) ran into trouble yeah exactly
0: so that was a bit of a gamble but um you know mother nature was looking out for me and when i finished the swim and i got on the boat uh you know i I, I write about all my swims because i want to remember them and it was literally minutes after getting on the boat the wind just started to whip up and it was just I just sort of imagined that that was the dragon's tail, just kind of like, you know, coming to life. Mm. And it was, it was, it was just meant to be. I I mean, I, mother nature blessed me that day. Um,
1: The sharks are sleeping. The dolphins are escorting you and the dragon decides to take a nap. Yeah. So the universe is, is definitely talking to you.
0: I really feel that something has been watching over me because, um, You know, then the next swim was the North Channel from Northern Ireland to Scotland, and Mm -hmm. that's uh, about 21 miles. The water temperature is 53, 54. And, you know, so for these swims, I'm bulking up as well. So people have different theories on how you can kind of um, protect yourself from the cold. Definitely exposure to cold water helps. You have to just keep getting in the water every day. Um, But having a little extra weight, Um, I call it to be like a seal. You do. I mean, you don't see any skinny seals out there, do Mm. you? You don't see their hip bones. Um, so I call it my insurance policy and having to shift the mindset, uh, from being a ballerina has been, um, has actually been as difficult as I thought I would have thought because when you're out there in the ocean it is life and death and you want to come back alive and you want to complete your swim. And, um, so I, for the North Channel, I was up to 185, 190. I had back fat. <laughs> There's a picture of me <laughs> getting in the water and I have back uh, fat. <laughs>
1: you just eat everything in sight.
0: Everything. Uh-huh. When I was not sleeping or swimming, I was eating. And I have a video of like the night before my North Channel swim with my mom and my two crewmates. And I'm eating a uh, a whole pizza, and I'm like, you know, this is uh, this is uh, a marathon event of eating, and this is not a glamorous sport. This mm-hmm. is behind the scenes. This is what happens. But that swim, I was well prepared for the cold. I I bulked up, and I'd been swimming consistently in cold water. I'd even um, I lived in a little apartment by the Presidio, and I had a backyard, and I'd I'd ordered a kiddie pool on Amazon. I would fill it with ice and water, and I would sit there mm-hmm. in my swimsuit for as long as I could, reading magazines. And my like
1: Wim Hof style.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 He's amazing. And it was very difficult. And I didn't take any warm showers for six months leading up to my swim. So at these clubs here in San Francisco, the Dolphin Club in the South End, when you come out of the water, you have a hot shower, and then you get into a warm sauna. Mm-hmm. That's the way you warm up. I avoided all of that. But the big risk for that swim were the jellyfish. So they have these jellyfish called lion's mane jellyfish, and their gelatinous bells are sort of the size of a, the tire of a mini cooper. And their um, tentacles go 12 to 15 feet below the surface. I mean, they look beautiful when they're floating by at a distance. And at that point, only 26 people had crossed the North Channel um, compared to over 1,000 with the English Channel. And my captain said to me, if you're stung in the first hour, the chances of you completing the swim are pretty um, unlikely. I got stung in the first hour. I didn't tell my crew because I was like, I just got to suck it up. Mm -hmm. And the pain is, um, I mean, excruciating. But then it kind of subsides a little bit and, you know, you sort of get in your groove and you've got your endorphins that are sort of helping take the pain away. But what happened was I got stung hundreds of times. It was like swimming through landmines. There was a point where my crew would blow a whistle and I would know to stop because there would be a jellyfish in front of me, a jellyfish on my right, a jellyfish on my left. And so they're like, Kim, go back, go back. Kim, go left, go left, go left. And this is how they would navigate me across the North Channel. Meanwhile, my body is trying to fight the toxins and um, not focusing on keeping me warm. So I'm becoming hypothermic. Uh, I had trouble breathing. I didn't tell my crew. Um, I finished the swim. They hauled me back on the boat. I don't remember finishing the swim. And um, my one of my best friends, he was on the crew. His name's Matt. And he had promised that he would shower me with Guinness beer when I completed the swim. And there's a picture of me. And I look like a cadaver. Like I look dead. And um, I mean, he's smiling as he's like pouring the Guinness beer over me. And I warm up. Uh, we get back to Northern Ireland, we go back to the bed and breakfast. You know, when you do these swims, it's like coming out of general anesthesia, you kind of have to be monitored, just, you know, and you're in pain. So like my mum took off my swimsuit, she gets me in the shower. And the bed and breakfast people had bought us a bottle of champagne, and I'm having a glass of champagne in the shower, and it's just hot shower, and it's just luxurious. And mum's sitting on the lid of the toilet seat next to me just to keep an eye on me. And then I just become really emotional as to what I've completed. I'd completed my Ocean 7. Mm-hmm.
1: How long was the period of time from the 1st to the 7th? Two years. Two years. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so yeah. six people have done it. Yeah. And three women, right? Yep.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 I'm the sixth person to complete it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I became really, really emotional as to what I had accomplished. Um, then I had significant trouble breathing. I was rushed to a respiratory ward, a local hospital there. And then um, I was there for a few days and they finally discharged me because I bounced back pretty quickly. But then they said, what worries us about you is that because you're so fit, you're likely masking symptoms that would would be readily apparent in an average person. And that's what happened. Um, On the flight back here, you know, they cleared me to fly. I felt like I had broken ribs. I was having trouble breathing and um, came back to my apartment. My mum had to fly on to New Zealand and a couple of the, oh, my good friends, they have a key to my place and they let themselves in and they're like, what are you doing? I hadn't slept all night and I'm typing just gobbledygook on my computer. And they're like, we need to take you to the hospital. So then I go back up to my friends at CPMC here and I'm in their cardiac ward for a week. I had fluid both my lungs around my heart. It was pulmonary edema from jellyfish toxicity. Then everyone was like, "Your swimming's over." Like, how many days after the swim was that? About a week. Wow. Yeah, about a week. It just everything like my body was able to kind of keep things at bay for longer than a normal person, and um, that was. Then I spent a month in my apartment basically bedridden i didn't work um and people were like wow well, you know your swim your swims are you're, you're you right. know you're done
1: and is adobe like like they seem like they're really supportive oh they're fabulous you're doing, but they're are fabulous. they
0: like okay Cam, to
1: come back to work <laughs> like we're totally into the fact that you're doing all this stuff but like you still have to like
0: <laughs> i know i know no they have been my cheerleaders which has uh-huh. been really special um and and I've made a point of only using my vacation time for these swims. Um, but that last swim, I had a medical vacation, I guess. <laughs> but but yeah, everyone was like, well, you know, you should probably take it easy. I think you're done with cold water and swims. And, but there was one swim that I wanted to do. And I wanted to do that when I fell in love with those Farallon Islands. And I wanted to be the first woman to swim from the Farallon Islands. And not sort of like in a competitive way, but more because, like, those are my islands. Like, that's my spiritual place, and I wanted that for me. And um, that's what I set out to do. Mm -hmm.
1: So how long after the bedridden
0: uh,
1: jellyfish shock experience before the Farallon Swim?
0: 11 months. Yeah. Yeah yeah and I got a clean bill of health um and I trained you know and with doing these swims like you you your training sort of you know benefits the next swim and and so on and um but that swim you know as I'm talking to you, I'm looking at the Golden Gate bridge from my window right over
1: there for the Farallon swim, did you take the boat out to the Farallons and swim back right yes. so that was the difference yeah and and I read somewhere like this this moment of. Like that that terrifying moment of when you're sort of standing at the edge of the boat and you're going to slip into that dark water and the mystery that that holds, like not knowing what's right underneath your feet.
0: I mean, I could have easily have slipped into the mouth of a great white shark. I mean, it was pitch black. It was 11.15 at night. And to give you some context, just 10 days before... um, uh, my, my training partner, who's actually an Aussie, so we have this Aussie-Kiwi rivalry, mm-hmm. his name's Simon Dominguez, very good friend of mine, and he had been attempting to solo the Farallons, but in a direction nobody had done before, which is from the gate to the islands. Um, and it's just, you know, the tides are different. It's, it's, there's, both directions are tricky, but, you know, you're also going into that ecosystem when you're tired, um, and for him, he was dripping blood from his neck because the salt water can become so abrasive mm. when, you know, when you turn your head and you've got the mm-hmm. hairs on your back. Um, he was dripping blood. Um, his wonderful wife, Sally, was on the boat and one of his daughters, and they spotted a shark. He ended up getting circled by a great white shark, and they mm. pulled him onto the boat. And he was three miles from finishing. <sighs> three miles yeah but who cares I know, you know, like, I know i know yeah yeah and and you know and i think he's you know he came to terms with that pretty quickly like uh, he has his life but that was sort of the the, the 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 backdrop for my swim so people were trying to convince me do not do the swim the sharks are back earlier this year right, like, the time of
1: year was not great for
0: this right. right no no but you know i when i'm locked into something like I'm going to do it. And there, what surprised me looking back, there wasn't a moment of, oh, yeah, you know, maybe I should just, yeah, not do it. Not at all, which is a little bit scary. Mm-hmm. I was committed to it. And um, so that was why the sharks were firmly on my mind. And that morning, there'd been a shark, uh, a seal with his head bitten off in that cove. So there'd been a predation there that morning. Um, but yeah, I you know, I'm on the back of the boat, about to slip into that water, and um my mum, she's so sweet and funny. You know, the, the, the tension on the boat was just palpable, you know. And she sort of pops her head over and she's like, Well hurry up then, get in the water <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, Mum Like just stripping um, <laughs> away, like this
1: is just yeah, come on.
0: Yeah, I like mum. Um I'm just having a moment. <laughs> um but she was just I That's mean,
1: great that she comes out and oh, is there for you. For and she's amazing. Yeah.
0: She's sixty six years old and she's got all the gear, the warm because you have to be warm, and she is out there on the boat watching me the whole time and mm-hmm. cheering me on. And um she I mean, she loves adventure too, and so she is she's my main crew person. Mm-hmm. But um and that swim was just I had swimmers escort me. So after three hours, you're allowed to have a swimmer join you for an hour, but they have to swim behind you so you can't mm. be accused of drafting off mm. of them. And so I just – the team was just an amazing group. They have a special place in my heart forever. And, you know, coming underneath that go Gate get bridge, um, I will never forget. And I'm in tears. So after every swim, I've cried. <laughs> and um i think there's
1: a video of that of you crying mm, after that. yeah that.
0: Uh-huh. yeah yeah and it's not sadness it's just like like i did that like i really did it and it still makes me teary-eyed today because you know that i could see the feralons this weekend and because it was so clear and i mean it's madness i mean it, it's pure madness but we're capable of so much more than we think we are Mm -hmm. and um you know came back to shore to dock the boat there was media everywhere and um but i'd I'd vomited during the swim and you know all i could think of was oh my gosh i've just chummed the water the sharks know i'm here now Mm (laughs) um and I got on land and then I was sick again. And so they decided to, um, I convinced the Tiburon Fire Department to drive me back to CPMC Mm -hmm. (laughs) from Tiburon. Um, But so my whole crew was like, well, you know, she's going to be admitted. She'll be there for two or three days. So we'll go see her tomorrow. Uh, All I needed was four bags of IV fluids. And then they discharged me at midnight. And, um, you know, all I was wearing was my swimsuit that's covered in lanolin because it helps Mm. protect against chafing my hair is all just disheveled
1: basically you cover your whole body in like crisco oil essentially yeah yeah it's Mm. a real sexy sport Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) and
1: there was that great picture in the new york times (laughs) you covered in like not Um, there wasn't one you know square inch of skin showing your whole face is covered in it and everything yeah that was zinc oxide to protect from the sun
0: Uh, and uh, and uh yeah so who would have thought my swimsuit glamour shot would right. be New <laughs> York Times? Um, not exactly um, Sports Illustrated, but um, you know, and, and, and you know, you're you just look dishevelled. You look like you're either um, gone on some sort of bender on with illegal drugs, and you look like you haven't slept for a long time, which you haven't. Mm-hmm. So it's not a good look um they let me out of the hospital and I they put me in a taxi and I sat on the 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 step outside my apartment building and this is a this is a a street that's frequented by you know people going to bars and everything so I thought well I'll just wait there because my mum she had the key and she's tucked up here in my bed because she's like well she's gonna be admitted to hospital i'll catch up with her it tomorrow
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's just normal yeah
0: and then so i had to wait for a drunk couple to come into my building and i think they were just like you live here and i'm like yeah no i, I live here and um yeah and then it was just i mean s- still you know but then what also happens after these swims um it's kind of this after drop you know you you you're striving for something and all your focus is on it and there's a couple days of you're still in sort of this fog of disbelief of, of, of joy and then there's a there's a, a drop
1: like that that sort of um depressive state that comes in the aftermath like that vacuum because there's a vacuum right Mm And you don't have that goal anymore yeah
0: and for me I found that it becomes very lonely because when you are out there in the ocean you are dealing with life or death and not many people have experienced that um, and probably wouldn't recommend it but you're looking because you've connected it with life at such a primal level, it makes it more difficult to connect with people who haven't. And it's not to put me on a pedestal by any means. It's more that I have had experiences that few people have had, and you you want to connect with people at that level. Um, so that's that's always been a Superficial challenge. Superficial
1: interactions become less and less. Yeah. Sort of- tolerable yes Mm -hmm.
0: yes yes so it's just there's so many learnings and it's you know and even when i do sort of go off this drop um afterwards it's sort of i reassure myself that this is this is part of the journey and um and to be able to just feel those feelings of um you kind of feel like your your anchor is loose Mm -hmm. and you don't know instead of
1: so do you feel that urge or that pull to then set a big goal once again to fill that vacuum? Yes.
0: Yeah. Yes. And I haven't I haven't completely settled on my next goal, which is frustrating for me because
1: but it's all, I think there's there's a teachable moment in that too because how mm-hmm. do you find a way to experience gratitude and joy and and feel fulfilled? Yeah. Without having to live so extreme, you know what I mean? So maybe there's something there for you to learn.
0: Right. Because it's not, um, I can't do this forever. And it's, you know, and it's the the, the likelihood of it not ending well is it gets higher and higher.
1: Well, I think it requires you to examine it and try to parse what aspect of it is unhealthy versus healthy, right? Right. Because there's definitely that you know, as somebody who's prone to extremes myself, like yes. you, can, you can have an unhealthy relationship with that, right? Yes, yes, And, and yes. you will be championed for doing it and, and, and you will garner self-esteem and all these positive benefits of it. But on some level, there's that tinge, you know, that light dusting of sort of, 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 of maybe an inappropriate relationship with it, right? And so- Yes, absolutely, how absolutely. Do you, how do you find a, a new path as you get older?
0: Right. Right, because, yeah, absolutely, um, because when you know that you are a sort of a, an all-or-nothing person, and you give these adventures everything, like, um, you know, when I train for them, nobody's telling me, oh, you got to wake up at four, and it's, it's you, you're accountable for yourself, but I do everything that I possibly can, because I want to know that at the end of the day, because Mother Nature is always the boss, um, but at the end of the day, that. I've controlled what I can control and that I can tell myself that I gave it everything because I would feel disappointed in myself if I didn't give it everything. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's just so many lessons and learnings and it's a strange sport.
1: (laughs) But you have a gift now, which is these experiences and what you've learned from them. Yeah. And, A platform and a capacity to now deliver that message in service to other people. Yes. Right? And I think you can find a lot of that. This has been my experience. You can find a lot of that contentment um, in the giving back. Yeah. You know, like that can fill the vacuum in a healthy way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I, I love... I mean, I'm a talker, so Uh I.
1: I know you get you do you do a lot of public speaking, mm -hmm, right? And I
0: love it. I just love it because I want people to realize, like, you know, like I've said that you're capable of doing far more than you think you can. And sure, I've done these swims that are extreme, and that doesn't mean that you have to do them. But it's just motivating someone to think of their life differently um, and to see possibilities
1: and to break the chains of. social expectations, to give yourself permission to explore, you know, an interior and exterior life that lives outside of kind of what you're quote unquote supposed to do or what somebody else thinks that you should do.
0: Right. 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 Because our lives are pretty prescribed. Um, and to be able to step out of that, um, and you might be surprised what you learn about yourself and equally the people that come into your life. Um, I mean, I I feel like I just, I live in this little bubble and with these amazing people who I admire and I look up to and, um, and they're just ordinary people. We're just ordinary people. I mean, we go to work every day. We have relationships. We, you know, but we're able to push ourselves, um, and learn more about ourselves. And like I said, my soul has a few more wrinkles with every mm-hmm. one of these swims. And my heart is so incredibly mm-hmm. rich.
1: How would you articulate uh, your relationship with fear and overcoming fear?
0: Fear is a motivator for me. If I am afraid of something, I know I have to do it. Um, doesn't make it easy. and it's still scary. But I know, as I said earlier, that I know from experience now that the treasure in life lies exactly right over the other side of where you are most fearful and where you are most uncomfortable. And that's magic. When you can experience it for yourself, it's magic. And... So for me, fear is a motivating factor for me.
1: I think that's a beautiful place to end it. <laughs> but I do want to ask you one more question. Yes. For somebody who's listening to the podcast, who's maybe feeling stuck in the rut of their own experience and who has struggled with <clears throat> trying to see their way through to a more you know, vibrant, fully actualized way of living, or somebody who maybe is, is sort of comfortably residing in that self-imposed prison of fear. Uh, you know, what are, what are some steps that people could take to kind of uh, cut that chain and become more fully expressed?
0: Yeah, that's a great, great question. I would say that because for me, doing these things that I'm fearful of, I haven't done it alone at all. I think it's about picking an area that is scary to you and finding a community that partakes in whatever that activity is right because when you surround yourself with it's, it's about surrounding yourself with people that encourage it and say and don't you don't want somebody to say, well, that's that's really scary. Like you probably shouldn't be doing that. Like, you know, <laughs> surround. find uh-huh. the people. Find the people that are doing what you want to do that is scary to you. Like I'm terrified of big waves on the beach. Terrified. My friends make fun of me. I'm like, how big are the waves? They're like double over ankle. I'm like, what? <laughs> that's too big. <laughs> you know, um, and I try to surround myself with people that I, I try and I'm trying to get over that fear by getting back into that water. But the key is that don't try to do this alone because it is about community. It's about camaraderie and it's about finding those people who are going to say, why not? That's a great idea.
1: And trusting your instinct. Right? Yes. Whatever that little tickle on the back of your mind is yeah. that's bugging you to go try something new. Because it's something there for
0: different. a reason. It's there for a reason. And knowing that, you know what, as far as we know, we've only got one shot at this life. And um, to put it bluntly, like, you just got to suck the marrow out of it. Because it's all we have. And, you know, tomorrow is not guaranteed for any of us. All we have is right now. And... I think it's up to all of us. We owe it to each of ourselves to be the best version of ourselves. And I can guarantee when you face your fears and you break through those fears, you will get closer to being the best you can ever be. Boom. We did it. <laughs> that was so awesome. Oh, thank you. That was fantastic. Thank, thank you. Thank you for listening. Um. I told you I was a talker.
1: <laughs> no, it was great. You're you are an inspiration. Uh, we need more powerful women like yourself. And I just applaud all the things that you have done, but more importantly, um, the way that you articulate them. You know, I think I think people are gonna be really inspired by this and, and your message is super powerful. So thank you for oh, thank sharing you. it with thank me. Thank
0: you. Thank you.
1: Cool. So if you wanna connect with Kim, the best way to do that is you can go to kimswims.com that's your website yep uh at kimberly swims on twitter yep right?
0: yep spelt the Queensway. k-i-m-b-e-r-l-e-y kimberly uh, swims very, and also on instagram proper. yes uh-huh. <laughs> i'm part of the co- and also uh on instagram kimberly swims
1: And do you have any upcoming, like, speaking engagements or anything like that? I guess on your website, probably. Yeah,
0: I'm still trying to get those locked down for the year. Um, And then I'm also thinking about what my next adventure is, and I can't wait to share that with everybody.
1: Well, when you figure that out, come back and talk to me about it. I will. All right? I will.
0: Thanks Thanks so much.
1: Awesome. Peace. Plants. I don't know, you guys. I don't think it gets much better than that. Uh, Kim is just amazing. She is so well-spoken, so articulate. Her story is just unbelievably captivating and inspiring. And my hope is that she has not only inspired you to do more, but that she has triggered something in you to help you rethink, reframe how we perceive our lives, our paths, our trajectories, our limitations, and our Collective potential. Again, if you're digging on Kim, uh, you can find out more about her at kimswims.com. Also, I wanted to point out that there is this wonderful documentary about Kim that highlights her Farallon swim. It's aptly titled Kim Swims. It was directed and produced by Kate Weber, who I also would like to thank for the photos of Kim that we used in this episode. And you could find that documentary uh, and watch it and learn more at Kim Swims Film dot com, kimswimsfilm.com. As always, these links can be found in the show notes on the episode page at richroll.com, where you will find tons of additional articles and resources all relevant to today's conversation. Uh, If you would like to receive a free short weekly email from me, I send something out every week, every Thursday called Roll Call. It's basically five or six interesting things that I stumbled across over the course of the week a book I'm reading, an article I read, a podcast I listened to, a documentary I watched, a product that has enriched my life somehow. And that's it. Often it's things I don't share on social media. There's no spam. There's no affiliate links. I'm not trying to make any money off this. I'm just trying to cultivate community and kind of connect with you guys more deeply on subject matters relevant to the podcast, but sort of also tangential to it. So If that sounds like something you would be into, no pressure, you can sign up for it on my website at richroll.com and uh, that's it. Never going to spam you. Um, I've got a new resources page on richroll.com also that I'm continuing to kind of fill out. It's still in its infancy, but basically it's a place where I'm going to put all the books, uh, all the products, all the kind of websites that I think can help, uh, enrich your life, all informed by my journey and kind of the journey of this podcast. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in today. Again, I appreciate you guys sharing this show with your friends. If you haven't done so already, please leave a review. Uh, it's a great way to support the mission and click that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. Keep using that Amazon banner ad at richroll.com. That does help us out a ton. And mad love and mucho respect for everybody who has gone the extra mile to support my work on Patreon. That just warms my heart. Every time I get an email indicating that somebody is supporting uh, what I pour my heart and soul into every week and, and doing it by reaching into their pocketbook, it just blows my mind and I, I just... I can't thank you enough for that vote of confidence and uh, that level of support it means the world to me. Uh, if you would like signed copies of our books, Finding Ultra, The Plant Power Way, we got cool t shirts, got tech tees, all kinds of cool, sweet swag and merch. Uh, you can find all of that on my website, ritual.com. I also want to thank everybody who helped put on the show today Jason Camiello for audio engineering and production, Sean Patterson for all his graphic wizardry, Chris Swan for all the heavy lifting on compiling the show notes and additional production assistance and background research and all kinds of stuff and theme music as always by analemma thanks for the love you guys see you back here soon appreciate the support have a great week make it count be great be yourself be authentic stay true peace
0: plants